It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle-belling And everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year Well, get used to it, right? Because it's coming. Maybe it seems a little too soon, but we're going to hear a lot of that starting this week. Maybe you already have. You know, that's one of those songs that we hear every year, and I have been accused by my family of singing that quite a bit around the house during this time of year, right? Maybe it feels like the best time of the year. And I love Christmas. I love putting up the decorations, all that good stuff. But, but you know, sometimes there's a lot of pressure involved in this season that we're about to begin. You know, we feel that sense of buying the right present for someone or maybe not having the money that we would like to have to buy presents for people or, or knowing just, you know, what would really be important to them, decorating the house, having parties, all those things that, and there's so much going on, our time schedules are crunched and, and it feels like a lot of pressure. And as much fun as Christmas may be, for me, this week might be the most wonderful time of the year. Because with Thanksgiving, even though we might have places to go and, and food to cook, a lot of us don't feel exactly the same kind of pressure that we do that we're going to feel over the next few weeks as we lead into the Christmas season. You know, Thanksgiving, as Adam has already said, is about giving thanks and maybe spending some time with family and sharing a meal together, a meal that sometimes we make pretty elaborate, but ultimately really does not have to be that elaborate, just an opportunity to be together, and to give thanks. And as, you know, as I think about the Thanksgiving holiday, I sort of look out into our culture and think, well, how does that holiday make sense? And you know, you see Thanksgiving show up on television shows and in different kinds of media, and, and people are saying they're thankful and they love Thanksgiving, and, and I sometimes wonder, who are you thankful to, right? Because if, if you don't have the presence of God in your life, if you don't believe that there is a God, then who are you going to give thanks to? Are you going to give thanks to people because they've done something kind to you? That's not a bad thing, right? Are you going to give thanks to, to the people who employ you? That's not a bad thing either. But, but ultimately, the holiday of Thanksgiving is about giving thanks to God, not just feeling thankful in some general way. But here's the thing. I think it's easy for us, even as believers, sometimes to forget to give thanks. It's easy for us to get lost in all the busyness of life. And even as we move into the Christmas season, beginning now or a couple weeks ago, but certainly on Thanksgiving Day as we start seeing all the commercials and Santa Claus riding down the parade and all that good stuff, it's easy for us to forget to give thanks. So what can we do about that? <clears throat> How can we as Christians have a deeper sense of thanksgiving? That's what I want us to think about today. And to get at that, I'd like us to turn to a story that we find in Luke chapter 17. A story of ten men and Jesus. 
Ten men who were very sick. A great story. Jesus is making this turn at this point as He's going to Jerusalem. And we know why Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He's going there because the cross will be there. He's going there to pay for our sins. He's going there to do the most important thing that was done in human history. Jesus knows what's ahead of Him. And He goes willingly. And this is what we read in the midst of Jesus' travel. It's found in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Luke Luke tells us now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now there's some detail there that maybe Luke didn't have to tell us. But it says that Jesus was traveling, you can see the map, on the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, the Jews lived in the north in Galilee and the south in Judea, the pink and the blue on the map, and between them, the purple, is Samaria. And we've talked about before that the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. That they constantly called each other names like dog. And it was because they had differences in race and differences in religion. The Jews saw the Samaritans as half-breeds. That would be the word that they would use. And that they they followed some of the laws of the Old Testament, but not all of them. They worshipped in a different place instead of in Jerusalem at the temple on top of Mount Gerizim. They, They did not worship according to what the Jews saw in the Old Testament. And so there is this hatred. So many times, Jews traveling from Galilee to Samaria would go to the east cross the Jordan River, go south, and then cross the river back over to the west into Judea and into Jerusalem, oftentimes for a religious festival, usually the Passover. So Jesus is traveling along that border between Galilee and Samaria, maybe doing what Jews often did, traveling that route across the Jordan south and back across the Jordan to Judea. Luke wants us to remind, wants to remind us here that There's something going on with that travel. He encounters some men as he goes along. We find that in verse 12. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, leprosy sometimes could be a very deadly disease that we often think of when we say the word leprosy, but it actually included a variety of illnesses, a span of things, some of them life-threatening, some of them not. They were all skin diseases, but what they held in common was they excluded you from the community. They excluded you from being able to be with your family, from being able to worship with the community, from being able to, to work and provide for your family. So you were outside of the village or town. You couldn't participate in life as it once was. And until you were healed or until you died, that's the way it would remain. And so sometimes the effects of leprosy, well, the physical problem was one thing, but the emotional, spiritual, and communal issues were just as strong, and financial were just as strong as the physical ailment itself. And so these ten men in this unfortunate condition, had sort of banded together to have some kind of community in the face of their separation from family and friends. And somewhere along the way, and we're not told how, they had heard about Jesus. They knew that Jesus had the power to heal. And so when they see Jesus somehow recognize Jesus, 
Maybe one of them had seen Jesus perform a miracle at some other point. Or maybe they recognized Jesus' disciples. We don't know. But, but they saw Jesus and they reacted. Have mercy on us. They didn't come up to Jesus because they're not allowed to do that. They just asked for Jesus to act. That's their plea. Now what we're not told there is who they are, right? Jesus is traveling on the border between Galilee and Samaria. Samaria. So are these men Jews, like Jesus? Are they Samaritans? We don't really know. Luke's a good storyteller. He leaves us in the dark at this point. After they call out for mercy, in verse 14, when Jesus saw them, he says to them, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, why would he do that? Why did Jesus not just say, be healed? We know there are times when Jesus goes out and touches someone with leprosy and they are immediately cleansed. Jesus could have done that. But in this setting, with these ten men, Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, there's only one reason that a person with leprosy would go and show him or herself to the priests. And that's because... They had been healed. And the priest had to pronounce them clean, and then they could re-enter society. They could go back to work. They could go home and live with their family. They could hold their children, hug their spouse. All the things that, that we would think of as normal life, they could return to. But at this point, these men are still maybe disfigured from their disease, still have lesions on their skin. But what they recognize is that Jesus is doing something and their faith leads them to action. Jesus gives them an opportunity to act on their faith before they're healed. And so they take off. They go to find a priest. And along the way, and I don't know exactly how it happened, Uh, Luke doesn't tell us this. But along the way, they recognized that they have been made clean. Now, I don't know if, you know, one of them looked at another one and thought, man, he looks different. Or they felt something on their own body that suddenly was different than it had been before. They recognized that they had once again been made whole. I don't know how all that happened, but along the way, they, they realized Jesus has healed them. What do you do next? You can't go back home until you go visit the priest. You you can't go back to work. You can't go worship with the community until you visit the priest. That's the first thing you have to do. But, But one of these men decides that there's something even more important than that. And we read it in verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. He recognized that he needed to turn around to go talk to Jesus. He came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. So much packed in this one little passage, these two verses. That he recognizes that he needs to go back to Jesus. That he needs to thank him. You can't have your life changed. You can't have your life restored and not say thank you for doing that. And so he turns back and he goes back to Jesus. And he bows down at Jesus' feet. 
and he praises God. And Luke is telling us here that this man recognized that the place to worship God at this moment is at the feet of Jesus. Luke is communicating in a subtle way that this man understood Jesus is not just a great teacher. Jesus is not even just a healer. Jesus, furthermore, is not just a prophet or a man who has the power of God at work in him. Jesus is something more. Jesus is God. He is in the presence of God. This is the place to praise God because God is at work. And then Luke at least for most of the Jewish readers of his gospel, lowers the boom. And he was a Samaritan. He doesn't tell us before then. He just opens the story in this ambiguous way that Jesus is traveling in this area where there would be Samaritans and Jews. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. And for a Samaritan, that would mean go to Mount Gerizim and go to the temple there. For a Jew, it would mean to travel all the way to Judea and go to the temple in Jerusalem. We don't know where they headed off. We don't know whether the rest of these men were Jews or Samaritans. We don't know whether there was a mix it's hard to tell. But what we do know is that the one man who turned back to give thanks is a Samaritan. Is one of those dogs. He got it. He understood that God was at work in a powerful way and he had to respond to that. And so he goes and he gives thanks to God at Jesus' feet. Verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Hey, did, did the miracle not work right? Were you the only one, right? Jesus knows better than that. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? So maybe some of the rest were Jews. Maybe some of them should have known better. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Thanks was the proper response to what God was doing here. And it just reminds us that our lesson for today is when you're blessed, God should be the first to know. God already does know, doesn't he? But God should be the first one we go to. You know, what would happen today... <clears throat> Let's say this afternoon you got, got one of those calls and, and you got some good news. I mean, it, somebody comes by or, or you're, somehow you're communicated with and, and it's really good news. There's going to be a baby born. There's an engagement. Somebody got a job. Somebody got a raise. Somebody's coming home for the holidays that you weren't expecting. It is good news, the best, good stuff happening. Who is the first person that you're going to call? I'm talking about somebody that is going to rejoice with you, right? We don't want someone who's going to say, oh, well, that sounds fine, right? You want somebody who's going to be happy for you. Who is the first person that you would call because you know they would be just as happy for you as you are for yourself? Get that person in your mind. Those are people that we want to surround ourselves with. Those are the people that we want to spend life with. Now, you know, God is that and far more. And when we have good news, when we are blessed, 
God should be the first to know. God should be the first one that we go to and thank for the blessings that we have in this life. Because God will rejoice with us even more than that person who's in our head. Because God gave us that blessing. He knows what we need. And He provided it. God deserves our thanksgiving. He deserves for us to praise Him. Just like the man came back to Jesus' feet and recognized this was a place for worship, we need to worship God. And we need to do that for so many reasons. Number one, because God deserves it, right? And God deserves our praise. For whatever we get in life, we get far more than we deserve. We get food to eat. We have places to live. We have friends in this room. Many of us have family that we love. All those things, it's more than we deserve. We have Jesus far more than we deserve. We can receive eternal life and spend eternity with God far more than we could ever ask or imagine. We are blessed. God deserves our praise. God deserves our thanksgiving. And thanksgiving also reminds us of our role in this because it's easy to get caught up in ourselves, right? It's easy to think about what we've earned, what we've accomplished in life, how well I've done because I've worked hard and made this happen. Well, did you make this happen? Where did all those gifts and abilities and opportunities and responsibilities come from in the first place? Pride can get to work in us. And we can take credit for so many things that instead of taking credit for, we should be at the feet of Jesus praising God. When you're blessed, God should be the first to know. It fosters our relationship with God. We grow in our relationship with God when things happen in life and we take them to God. And ultimately, that's true for the good and the bad. But it is certainly true for Thanksgiving. We grow in our relationship with God when, when good things happen and we talk to God about it. And so let me challenge you this week. And maybe it's a little bit of a cliche, and I'll accept that. But take a few minutes and just get a piece of paper and write down a few things that happened in the last year. And maybe it wasn't the best year of your life, okay? That happens. But even in those years where it seems like things are not great, there's still blessings. Take just a few minutes. Even though I know it's going to be busy and you may have people coming to your house or you're traveling or whatever else, and write down some things that God has done. And then, let him know. Let him be the first to know that you are blessed. And in that, you'll show God you know his place. And you know your place. And you'll grow in that relationship. When you're blessed, God should be the first to know. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for the ways that you blessed us. And God, we know that that list could really go on and on. That you have shown your love for us in such powerful ways, and we are thankful for that. Thankful that you care about us. And God, this morning we come to you and we ask that, that you would continue to bless us. And God, we come before you and we're thankful for Jesus most of all.
And we come to Jesus' feet and we worship you. And God, we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if you'd like to respond to the blessings that God has given you in thanksgiving and then in commitment by saying, I believe that Jesus is just who he said he is, the Son of God, repenting of your sins and being baptized into him, we would love to know that you've made that decision. Come forward as we sing our invitation. Let's stand together.